hit record. Uh, I did. At least we've never done that. You know what I mean? Like we got, we've never gone like 45 minutes and then had you go, Oh dude, I forgot. To I, did that once. I did that once a long time ago. As you know, I've done like 17,000 podcasts. Yeah, I was that saying that with me though. Yeah. Can I, by the way, you want to do a show? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So I've done, all right, the show it is. So I've done you know, like <laughs> 17,000 podcasts. And it's funny, I was listening, and you know, as you know, the running joke is, and this is honest to God truth, my wife has never listened to a single thing I've ever done. Podcast at this point, she's holding on, like, even if you interviewed, like, Barack Obama, or you interviewed, you know what I mean? She's still no, she'd like, listen nah. to that. She would listen no, to that. No, I'm just saying, like, she might be like, nah, I can't, because Brian's on it. Yeah, well, no, I'm saying she would listen to that, because it's never going to happen. So she would well, say, I would listen to that. But my point is that the other day, I was walking past her office downstairs um and i heard her on the phone go well you know i've got my podcast that i listen to i'm like okay so we've got podcasts <laughs> none of them consist of the person so, so it's not that she's too busy to listen to podcasts <laughs> that, it is it might, that would have been what i would i would have said you're a lawyer you don't have time for this shit no you're, it's you're not that work. she only listens to the true crime ones that i find annoying because they're set up and if you listen to those they're all the same they're all like and then you're not going to believe what happened next and then the scripted person next to him pretending like it's not scripted goes do tell what happened and you're yeah. like well you guys already know why why you pretend this I, don't I, it th- since that one i'm sure there were b- before serial i'm sure there were ones that were like that yeah but since serial came out i feel like it's like since the drone came out since the drone was able to put high definition cameras on it your every shot in every tv show now is like you like the forest because we're going to show you a drone shot of it and we're going to come in on a highway it's like every it's like I, at first, when I saw it in Ozark, I was like, man, they really they saved money on a helicopter shot. They got beautiful scenery of the actual area, which is really, you know, quite impressive. And then every show I saw after that, I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, they oh, yeah. They're, no, they're doing it, too. Uh, yeah. But again, you have a drone. It doesn't cost as much as a helicopter. Why was I talking about this? Something else. Because you um, were high. Here's no, 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 the thing. Something. Oh. <laughs> uh, what I was going to tell you real quick uh, um, is just so you know, and I mean, and I'm saying this one seriously. So I was tipped off for this by my wife before she found out I was doing a podcast, and then she tuned me out. She said, oh. um, "Hey, just so you know, all the MLB spring training stuff is on clearance." And I'm like, "You know what? I'm actually going to get some of that stuff because 20, 25 years from now." This of all the spring trainings that's a 2020 season will be pretty historic. I'm just throwing that out there that anybody that's a collector or baseball fan, now's the time to pick up that shit because didn't get and especially if it says 2020 on it. Well, and it's also cheap right now because they got to get rid of it all. They made so much and they didn't get all those people buying it at the location because there were no games. So, all I'm saying is it might be uh. This is the first time, I mean, this has to be the first time since, what, uh, a world war that the baseball season just disappeared for a whole year, right? Yeah, you know, I don't don't know. The strike went on for a little, the season went on for a little while, and then the strike happened. Well, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't know what I mean. It's kind of one of those things, like like anything, you know, when it's like an odd thing, and and they've already talked about it, even if they have baseball this year anyway, it's going to be like this weird way they're going to do it. So everything about it is going to have this unique... Um, you know, setup as I showed you the other day, my my nineteen ninety one Bulls championship T shirt, like that. Dude, 
you don't think about it in the time. This one's a little bit easier, but dude, I am absolutely obsessed with that ESPN doc, dude. I want to watch an episode of that. It's it's like the Grateful Dead documentary, Long Strange Trip, when that came out a day, every day for the rest of my life. I forgot how much I loved basketball. I forgot how much Michael Jordan influenced me as a kid. I had every fucking poster, man. Like that was I I made my dad put in a basketball hoop in the driveway that I used for exactly one summer, probably three times. And yeah, we have like, recording, so Oh, okay. Good. I'm just kidding. That was a callback from earlier. Continue. I know. I know. But but like I, I was like I wanted to be Michael Jordan so bad. I, I went to basketball camp. I was fucking awful at basketball, dude. Was I was, just, John, can we go down the checklist of reasons why you were never going to be? Can we just <laughs> we just throw out a couple? I would say this. I would say probably I didn't have the drive and determination. Other than that, <laughs> other than that, I, that. I could have at least probably made the NBA. I would go ahead. If you wouldn't mind doing a one quick favor, if you could just get um, um, a full body shot of yourself that year that you thought you had a shot to do a side by side with Michael Jordan and post it. Facebook. You know whose body I had back then? I had a Tom Brady body, his early body when he was oh. drafted. That weird gangly, like, blah, 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 like blobby, no definition, like sort of fat. But like, like you'd look at me and go, is he fat or not? I can't really tell if he's fat, but he's definitely not, doesn't have any shape. It's yeah. like, like, like kind of like, um, I don't know, like a wake up, like a, like a, if a, a can of cranberry, like right out of the thing, like all kind of like jiggly, like that's kind of, you're married, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, I, tr- I tricked her though. I showed her. I showed her this. <laughs> Our guest did a great Photoshop of me a long uh-huh. time ago. Put my head on like a really masculine, like ripped body, and that's what I tricked my wife with. I, I showed her that picture, and that's what she thought I looked like. Okay, get, and then you always get lights off at night when you guys. Okay, good. <laughs> and then I never. And I, she's never seen me with my shirt off. <laughs> I've always heard those stories. I, I've always that bar that they're. I never. I'm like. Get out! I'm changing. <laughs> I'm and you're like, how long have you guys been married? Like, it was like a weird, like old, like 1930s, 40s, 50s. Wow, well, like, in the same bed. Which, by the way, I'm sure my wife would like to bring back. You what? I said, you know, remember when they didn't sleep in the same bed? Couples. Yes. Well, that was on television. That but was on television, but it was also like there were people in real life who did that. There were people that lived their whole lives miserable, and I don't really get it. I'll never understand <laughs> the whole idea of you get one shot at it, so let's fuck it up as much as possible by creating a, the most bizarre rules. And like, it doesn't matter. Hey, by the way, speaking of old stuff, I I saw that you texted me something about Garrett Morris, a previous guest, oh, show, and so, I was laughing because yeah. I was like, oh, all of my talk about watching old television shows finally rubbed off on you. Well, no, I mean, I've always been, dude. I'll always like. Look, I, I'll go through phases. I watch I watch a lot of Golden Girls. I would say that's what I watch by the most that's older. But like 18 episodes of The Hulk, every once in a while, you know, if I can catch an episode of those shows, I will. But because of your obsession with Jim Rockford, I was like, I had gone on. I had seen some Rockford File episodes on Amazon. And then last night I was on Pluto TV looking for something else. I was looking for Mystery Science Theater or uh, something something that's on Pluto. And I came across Hunter. There's a channel that just had Hunter on. He's and the football player, right? Like real life. Fred Dreyer played for the Rams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He lives near Keene, actually, right now. He's about 75 years old. But still and he looks good. amazing. Keene and I yeah. went out to eat once, and I saw him. I was like, look at that guy. Fred still- Dreyer, dude. He was the best, dude. So 
I watched this episode of Hunter, and as I'm watching it, I'm like, is that George Clooney? Like, Clooney is a bad guy in this episode, like a real bad dude. He's like pimping people out and robbing people. And then I'm like, I, 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 I nudge Nicole. I'm like, oh my God, look at this. Cause she's like, that's Clooney. I'm like, yeah, we're laughing. All of a sudden he turns and he's talking to Garrett Morris. I'm like, get the fuck out of here. And I forgot because we talked about this on the podcast and it's in his IMDb because I remember looking at it. He plays Sporty James. He's in multiple episodes of Hunter as the like the street smart guy that Hunter gets all his street info from, you know? And like, dude, Dee McCall was using a terrible Irish accent. It was a great episode, dude. And he did an amazing job. And I text him and I sent him some screenshots of it. And I was like, dude, you just popped up on my screen. And literally, I just get back like, a bunch of jokes about if I'm going to fuck somebody, I better clean them first and everything is dirty and <laughs> just a bunch of weird shit Garrett style. And then, um, and then know, who is this? no, and then he's, he's, he's genuine too. He's always like, you know, I hope you're well. And he's, yeah. he's, I like, I like that dude a lot. So I'm, I'm glad you introduced me to him and I'm, I'm glad I was able to work his club when it existed, when it, wherever that was. And, uh, yeah, well, it was a lot of different places, by the way, I, I, I don't know if our guest knows enough about this show. Um, it would be hilarious if we never brought her in. And she was like, did I just get brought in to watch two guys talk? About She's like, look, we're, we're going to go video. We're only going to use the audio, but just can you give us notes about like what our hair looks like? <laughs> and like, do we look like, do we look good on video? Cause like we do this other thing too. I just need to be judged. Yeah. You want to bring in our guest? Yeah. Yeah. That was my way of, yeah. Um, I will. I, I want to preface this by saying, it's probably long overdue that we're having her on the show, but this is somebody I have known since I really, since I first got into the entertainment industry, like she's known me. She basically, I was still college John. So she knew college John. Yeah. That's what I'm saying is like, and she still talks to me. So there's a, there's (laughs) an arc of like, the fact that she's even doing this is nothing short of a miracle. I'm going to go ahead and agree with that. I think it was like 2001. Around That's, there, yeah, yeah, which is I know. Like, never forget. Was that the day you met John? No, I no, I knew her before that actually. Yeah. So it was probably two thousand. I might have met you. Yeah, two thousand. But uh, production designer uh, Kate Bunch is with us today. Hello, uh, Kate. Thank you so much for um, taking the time. I, I don't know if you're. Are you are you able to? Are you working right now? No. No, there's nothing. <laughs> to do. Well, I didn't know. Hey, there are some shows that have started up. I know people, some people are really? scouting. I know a location. Well, I know a location guy who's scouting from home. My wife is working on Shark Tank from home. Okay. Um, they're starting like pre-production. So I didn't know if you were involved in anything that was like, hey, we got another season coming up and this is our plan. And No, I I had a show earlier this year that went down and it's just down. And then um, we normally start shooting what we do in the shadows like around September. So I have a small fear that I won't work until then, but maybe wow. we'll see what happens. But you, so you wrapped what we do in the shadows already before this happened. So that was already airing, yeah. right? Yeah. We wrapped it the second season in December. Where does that shot here? Correct. No, it shoots in Toronto. Toronto. That's right. That's where you were. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Dude, if, you if, like, um, no, sorry, go ahead, John. I was going to say, if, if no one uh, has watched what, what we do in the shadows, Check it out. Yeah. It is beyond funny. It is so well done. I mean, it's well written. It's well acted, and it looks awesome. Thank I mean, you. you guys, your crew, uh, that that show is really just all around. Gets yeah. a it gets a thumbs up from everybody I know that's seen it. 
Hey, Kate, I don't know how much you know about the show. We jump around all the place. So just stick with us as much as you possibly can. But okay. I have a question for you. Did you Have you been in art department and or production design since the early 2000s? That's my first question. Yeah. Well, John and I were peeing at a reality show company. Okay. And I, I was would... just working in the office as a PA. And then I quit that. And I'm like, I'm going to go work on sets, even though I... I just thought I could just go get a job. And luckily I kind of did. Um, <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> but <laughs> I think everyone at the company was like, uh, what are you doing? You're just quitting your job. And I, and uh, so it worked out and I did a lot of reality. And then the guy that I worked for did scripted and commercials. So I've kind of done all of it, but I mostly um, last year I did all TV, a few commercials and, um, before that it was just a mixture of TV, but I don't really do any reality stuff anymore. So did you start out as an art department PA? Is that basically yeah. what you did? Okay. Yeah. And you know, the reason why I bring that up is because now we're talking about, it was, it's to me, it's a legitimate question that even though there's no production right now that John asks you if you're doing any work only because I'm curious from a production designer standpoint. Now, if you, that has to have evolved just like locations did where when I first started, in production, you didn't go online to start looking at stuff. You physically had to do everything. You physically had to go everywhere. Or someone had manila folders that had yeah. hard pictures in them. Yeah. Yeah. Flip through. Did you have you seen the same type of evolution in in the art department and production design as well? Yeah. I mean, we used to have to go to the bookstore. There was um like great bookstores in Santa Monica or ordered, well, I guess we ordered them, but mostly we went to the bookstore and we found books and photocopied the pictures. And also we're constantly taking pictures and taking them to the one hour photos so that we could <sighs> hand them off. I mean, yeah, it was so crazy the way I remember getting the first phone that would send pictures between Ooh. The production designer and the decorator that I worked with, and they were like the tiniest thing <laughs> at all. They were terrible. But I was hey, did you like, get that photo I sent? Yeah, and I needed a microscope to read it and look at it. Thanks. Yeah, but it was like this is insane that like you can just send a picture now and like oh, no. immediately that person can go get it. But yeah. well, and also, um, by the way, my 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 experience with like the early days of cell phones was I went through a Nextel phase, and Nextel was the one where you could only certain people could Nextel you like do the the walkie <laughs> thing, and then eventually you'd be like you'd be like this is great, and then eventually with some of your friends you're like you know what fuck this shit stop <laughs> buzzing me stop my just leave a fucking voicemail stop yeah. being like, that connected. They gave me one of those for, I was on, uh, I think punked and I had one, or maybe it was Jamie Kennedy, but I had a, a, one of those chirped, those things and my own phone. I had both of them on me, both clunky and, and one was just like a champ, right? Yeah. One was just production and drug deals. And that was like <laughs> the same phone. And then the other one was like, I played snake. And then I had phone numbers of people that I would call because texting was like nine. You had to press the yeah. same button 55 times yeah. to like. Well, and it also costs you $900 to send 15 messages. So. Dude, when someone will be like, hey, dude, don't text me anymore, man. I'm, I'm kind of running out of 
kind of running out of data or whatever. Like, I'm like, what? Like <laughs> things are like, you can only text so much in a month. Oh, yeah. cool. Now I don't want anyone to leave me a voicemail. I'm like, just text me. I don't want to uh, listen to that. So <laughs> Kate is that person. There you go. I know you're there, Kate. And you're like, especially now when everyone knows they're trapped in the house and they're still not answering. You're like, that's bullshit, dude. Cause I know you have nowhere to go right yeah. now. So I'm not pretending like you don't. I've been terrible. Like I will not return phone calls or even emails anymore. Like in quarantine, I don't know what's going <laughs> on with me. Are you, are you at your house in, are you? Yeah. In, yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. But I, um, yeah, well I traveled last year. I rented it out, um, to the most annoying humans on the face of the planet, the most entitled little bitches. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was so stressed out, like dealing with all of them fighting and oh God. But anyway, the reality show. Oh my God. So, but they're all gone and now it's just Joe and I here. So Why? You, um, um, did you going back to the, the early days, first off, where are you from originally? Studio city. Okay. So yeah. Yeah. at yeah. one point and, she said, I will never leave studio city. Everything I need is in studio city. <laughs> Do you live still live in Studio City? No. no. Okay. All right. Good. I, are you sure I said that? Yes. You were like, in fact, Studio City is perfect. It's awesome. I'm never. I leaving. mean, I don't know. I love living in Venice, and besides that, I don't know where else I would live besides moving back to the Valley. To be honest. Well, I mean, so. if you think about it, like the the living near water is awesome if you can a afford it and get enough not only just afford it but get enough space to function for whatever your world yeah there's yeah. affording and then there's like being able to be okay where you're like oh i like where i live yeah yeah um and that's awesome but and you're right the valley is kind of like you know when you want to settle down if you want to settle down and just chill out that's the place to go anyway it makes sense yeah. and everything's right there everything you need it's Plus like my parents live there too so yeah. are they back uh, yeah they live uh, they live well. They live in the back. They live. Oh, they're oh, so, oh, they're back, back. Okay, okay. I but thought they were Stephanie. Uh, Stephanie's still above <laughs> above the garage, and then there's people renting like the main house. Phew, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Come and knock on our door. Yeah. Come and knock on our door. But having grown up um, in around the system, was that like? Did you early on be like, yeah, I'm going into the system? And also, yeah. were you an artist that brought you into that direction as well? Like, what's the where are where you, did the where did it all click? Or was it are just you calling this is the system Hollywood, Brian? Yeah. Well, yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the machine. Um. Well, like in third grade, I remember my friend's parents getting a video camera. So every weekend we would make a video just because we're I don't know, kind of nerdy. But um, and then I ended up going to a high school with a film program um in Burbank and I don't know I guess I I always thought I wanted to be a cinematographer but as I uh went to college and I got into college for film but when I got there I was like I don't want to do this which was <laughs> for other reasons like personal reasons of my teacher sleeping with someone one of our my friend in high school anyway oh cool cool yeah it was Super cool, and then you live um, on the you live on a soap opera called Studio City. Yeah, so then I'm like, well, I don't want to do film. I did studio art. Um, so, and then when I graduated, I'm like, oh, I need a I need to find a job, and still had like no confidence that I could go out and get a job because I just was like painting and drawing and doing stuff like that. And my mom was at a party, 
and someone asked what I was doing. She said, I just graduated. They asked if I wanted to like sculpt on a commercial. So my first, and she was like, yeah. And I was so excited because I was making $17 an hour, like right off the bat. And I worked on, yeah, I worked on a Philadelphia cream cheese commercial and we had, um, big pieces of scaffolding and barbed, uh, pieces of rebar. And we put like pillow stuffing on top and made 30 foot high clouds for, I don't know if you remember that it was like angels, like floating in the clouds. And I'm like, Oh my, I didn't even, even though I grew up around it, went to film school, I still did not have a good concept that like, this is something that you can do until I showed up on that stage and did yeah and from there the guy who ran the sculpting department um basically hired me to kind of full-time as a sculptor so I did a lot of um and I had the talent but I just didn't have all the technical like ways that they get everything done and what materials they use so I figured that out eventually but I sculpted a lot of like Vegas hotels and Disneyland uh Universal Studios, Japan, like Jurassic Park, the ride, stuff like that, um, like uh, permanent things. And from there, I kind of, there was a guy who used to come and check and make sure that the things we were sculpting was what he wanted. And I'm like, well, who's that guy? What's his job? <laughs> and I'm He's like, I want to do work that. Being sort of in charge. Yeah. Like, just so I understand. Is this, did you, this was fresh out of high school. You started doing this stuff? That was out of college. Out of college. Yeah, Where did you, college. you go to college? Chapman University. Yeah. Okay. And then, cause Chapman is, that's a film centric. Yeah. Like centric yeah. school. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got into that film program, but then decided not to do it. And one thing also, because I did work for some sculptors, and I worked on it when I first moved out. Or I was uh, I worked at a, a, a defunct company that 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 was that was working on CGI stuff, and I worked in the art department. And that's when I actually learned the function of everybody that's in an art department. And I never really quite understood the sculptors until I talked to the guy. And I'm assuming what you're, and because I want to get clarify what you were talking about is that before they actually make the real thing. Right. Make models. Right. So um, depending on what it is and how big it's going to be, we start um, like if it's sometimes we sculpted like a 30 foot high woman. And so we kind of would sculpt a a miniature and then um, we would end up uh, like basically sculpting it out of big blocks of bead foam like that you pack your stereo in. And um, then they make a a mold of it and cast it in fiberglass if it's going to go to Disneyland or something like that. So um, is that, is it still done that way? I think, I think so. But I mean, there's probably a lot, I don't, um, there's probably a lot of 3d printing that's taken over for the smaller stuff. Yeah. Um, but for the big stuff, I, I, I haven't done something that's like permanent like that in a, forever everything i do is just kind of like we only need it for now and then it gets destroyed or whatever yeah um so i think i would think it's the same well yeah and you're talking about a time too where they were just starting to develop those types of softwares to do that type of even 3d design you're you're probably working with a lot of people that were still working with pencils yeah and drawing all the stuff out to scale and and doing like real real straight up like 
you know, work, yeah, handwork to get it just to you. That that's what I always found fascinating about it was the amount of layers to get to the final product. I had no idea how many people were in the chain yeah. to get it there. Yeah, I'm, I mean, when a production starts along with locations, I'm one of the first hires because I need to see all the locations and figure out what I'm doing. And and, and, and it's usually best if, if art and everything is in there first and then all your gear and all your shit comes in. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. We're Otherwise, we're all logistics. working on top of each other. Yeah. And yeah. plus, there's nothing to light until I build it. So. And so the the are you find are you kind of in the world too? Are you designing more and more on a laptop as well? Like, has has the has it gotten to that point where uh, the applications are available to you to like? Let's say you're doing a period piece. So they say it's got to be 1960s, got to be 1970s. You're pulling all that stuff and you're building it visually in advance. Yeah. Or how, how does that work versus um, when you shop and design and yeah. the real product? Um, I mean, I do a lot of stuff on SketchUp. I'm not great. Like, you're not going to see a beautiful finished 3D model. But I like to work on it because it's I can work to scale. I can plug in all the things that I need like, and give everyone a really great jump on I think the lamp and the table and the couch should be like this and the wall should be like that and the window should go there and then um then we have set designers who kind of break it out and draw it for the construction department but then I work with them to figure out like no don't use that ugly window that I just plugged in there and then I I will pull like uh references off the internet or whatever I like this window or, you know, and then they'll draw it out so we can build it or we can buy it or whatever. So somebody had told me, um, I can't remember, I was working on some television show and they said that, and I don't know if this is true or not, the production designers, um, a lot of them have architectural degree, degrees because they're drawing actual plans. Is do you, you do not have to have that stuff to be a production designer, correct? No. And not even the set designers, the people that draw it for our construction department like i'm sure some of them do but it's just kind of a learned skill and a, and a language that like the construction worker everyone knows like reading plans just like architectural plans but they're not as um detailed or complicated you know because not necessary right there's a lot of stuff yeah. that doesn't, that doesn't, it doesn't need to be permanent it applies to building an actual structure yeah. that's going to last for 57 years you know right. Yeah. How does that, how does that affect you guys, uh, you and anybody you work with where you guys like put a lot of time in, you build these things, you come up with these ideas. And then all of a sudden at the end, they're like, man, that looked great. Thanks a lot. High five. Beautiful. Now tear it down, burn it to the ground, fucking piss on it and throw yeah. it away. I mean, sometimes it's, I mean, yeah, it's insane sometimes, like, especially on commercials uh, on shows. Well, uh, shows we, we have our permanent sets and then we have smaller sets that we put up and take down because we need room on stage. But commercials are really intense. You build this stuff. And in the same day, you're like, barely put the last thing, shoot it. And then by the end of the day, they're like, turn it, tear it out. So. Do you have an early memory of something that you put a lot of work in you thought was really cool? And that, and there was kind of a wake up call of like, Oh, this is just trash to them when it's over. And there was so much love and, and, and effort put into it up front. And how did you, how did you initially have to come to terms with that? Cause it, it, a lot of people are putting a lot of work into stuff and they just come in and be like, done, we got to go. Well, 
when I was still art directing, we were doing actually a reality show, but it was huge. And we were building a full courthouse and beautiful rotunda and stuff on a stage. And the show went down in the middle of us. And I just remember holding like, do we want this or do we want this? And blah, 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 blah. And they're like, they brought everyone into the half built rotunda and they cut, shut down the show. And I'm like, Oh my God, it like doesn't everything matter. I was working for does not, like, what am I? Who am I? What do I mean in this world? If like all of a sudden everything I was working for means nothing. Is it real? No, it actually <laughs> isn't real. Yeah. Which but, is um, the thing. Honestly, I, mean, uh-huh. I was going to say real quick, what you just said, Brian, is <clears throat> to a certain extent, the truth, meaning this is just the life. We're all, everyone's okay. Because we're not really these things that we think. Right. We're but I, I, I will use my personal, um, you know, experience as 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 kind of to 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 uh, piggyback on what what Kate is talking about is um, I ran the Herald Examiner and in the Herald Examiner was the original bar from Patty's Pub. And I would always say to people, especially when the Herald was getting shut down, I'm like, you got to save that. Like, to me, that is a part of television history. That show's run for fucking like 17 seasons. But at the end of the day, and look, I had worked on many, many projects and seen stuff completely destroyed. And it, and I kind of got used to it after a while. But then there was oh, yeah. this other part of me that's like, no, I think I'm identifying something that I believe. I know it's a temporary, but I believe but it should be salvaged. And it they it's just people don't look at shit that way. They're like, no, it's in the way. It's got to get cut up and it's got to get thrown out. And if there was one thing personally for me that broke my heart, it was them watching them cut that thing up into pieces and treat it like it had no value Dude. to anything in this business whatsoever. Because their attitude is, and you know this, Kate, they're like, we have the plans. We can fucking make another one. Mm-hmm. If we had to, but yeah. they're they're also burning backdrops that they used on like Gilligan's Island and shit. You know what I mean? Like those backdrops were been in the business forever, man. And now they're like, uh, put it. But that thing. being said, do you also? We also know there are salvage <laughs> companies. Do you work with salvage companies? Do you? Is that part of your thing, or do is that not really, or is that construction only? Because they'd come in, construct and deconstruct. Like, I personally have not worked. I mean, maybe we donate stuff like set dressing, stuff like that. A lot of the wood and stuff that we use is not useful and it has nails and I'm sure people do come and they'll take it apart. But, um, we usually don't have enough time to plan for someone to come and pick up the thing before I need to get it in the garbage and get out and get everyone off the clock, which is, it's terrible. And I probably could be better at about it or, you know, trying to figure it out ahead of time. But I, um, but I do, I have bought stuff or rented stuff from those types of places. So when you, what was the first project that was all you from beginning to end? And you were, were you excited to have, obviously you'd be excited to have that project, but was there any moment where you got a little anxiety because you finally realized this is all on me now? And and how did you handle it? Every job. Classic, just bullshit your way through it and don't show anybody that you're freaking out kind of thing? Yeah, that's every single job still. <laughs> um, that's production. 
Yeah. Uh, just pretend think, everything's cool when it's all falling apart and you're about to shit your pants. And but there's always that first one, right? You want to obtain yeah. that first one, then you get it. <clears throat> what, what, what was it for you? I mean, I think my first, there's two. Well, one was just that Eminem commercial that I did. And I, I'm so terrible with names. So you would absolutely, maybe I could look him up. You would absolutely know who this actor is. But um, I had to make this kind of, uh, old, old timey office space. And I had no money. And I literally was like asking my mom if I could borrow her furniture out of the house. And um, it turned out really cool. But, uh, and you're constantly asking everybody to like push themselves like longer hours. Please can, please can you do this and not charge for that? Like, Oh, and still even on big stuff, you're always Uh. asking for favors and it sucks. And luckily I only now have to ask my people and they're the ones that have to go out into the world and still ask for that stuff. But, um, I think the M&M commercial was the first time was, I made a break. I stopped working as an art director and I was barely working. I'm like, how could I even consider like myself as a production designer when I'm barely being able to pay my bills? Um, after working for 12 years and making working all the time and making good money, now I'm all of a sudden... Um, out there trying to get contacts of my own. And I also worked for the same guy for the, for 12 years. So all of my contacts were his contacts. And I wanted to be very careful that I wasn't stealing yeah. his contacts. So I did a lot of just blind emailing and luckily had a g- good resume. I just like didn't have a lot of contacts. And I, I found wonderful people like just the, I, that's another thing I wanted to work with really nice, good people and I found them. And so that's, that's been great. But I would say the Eminem commercial is the first thing. For you from the jump from going to, you know, a PA to a set dresser, to an art director, and then ultimately a production designer for you, was it a personal challenge? Are you a control person? So ultimately you knew you needed to be the boss. Like what, what was your driving force? Um, I have a great work ethic. I love to work and I like every project was something new and challenging. And yeah, I always had to drive to be the production designer. And for a while I kind of got stuck and complacent with making good money and working on fun jobs and working under someone. But um, yeah, eventually I just knew like I was, I got unhappy there And, um, I didn't even know if I wanted to stay in the business because I just was not, I was just kind of unhappy in my relationship and the job and just wondering like, what the hell is my life? And I left for three months and went to Ecuador and just did nothing. And I came back ready to work for that same guy and, um, realized that he he still was hiring me and I, I used to be on every single job no questions asked and now I realized when I came back that he was hiring other people I'm like okay I better this is my time to jump and so I worked for maybe six months like that with him and then um, I think in 2014 I just that was the big in December of 2013 was like the last time I worked for him. And the last time 
I art directed. So I kind of was like, well, got to figure this out. And it's what I've always wanted, but maybe like didn't really have the guts. You and needed it, that push. That, yeah. was the, that was the kind of kick, kick off the, off the plank. Yeah. And it was like, I thought that I was going to have this wonderful realization while I was in Ecuador and I and I came back and I was like, oh, I need money. I'll get back to work. But eventually I did have that. It just wasn't when I thought it was going to happen. You know? Yeah. I want to stick to the most important part of the story, which is you're like, listen, I need to go to Ecuador, which is a very random thing to just say. Yeah. <laughs> things are not working out. Ecuador it is. Is there... Guys, I'm headed to Beirut. Like, what was that about? Are you, by the way, are you a big traveler? I mean, and were you traveling a lot tra- at this point? Yeah. I don't know where... I'm trying to, I don't know what your, what, um, where you were like year wise, but, um, obviously I'm assuming you were also affected by runaway production. Cause there was a huge, like a five, six, seven year gap where there was not much going on in town and everything was out of town. Mm-hmm. Was, that a, was that a big impact on you? Especially somebody who grew up in the same city you were working in, or were you a traveler always anyway? I mean, I, I always traveled on my own and we went away for, I don't know. I when. I worked all the time. So I would say it wasn't really affected. I um, did a job in Fiji. I did a job in Italy. I went, I did uh, the show Flight of the Concords in New York for God. two seasons. Um, and then I didn't travel for maybe, I don't, I guess it was the last like eight to 10 years. And then now I've just started traveling. I did last year. I did one show in LA. I did a show in Philadelphia, left Philadelphia, went straight to Toronto. And so I was gone for like eight months. Um, The travel thing is interesting too, right? Because I mean, let's be honest, we're all humans and we like relationships, but if you travel a lot, good luck with that, right? That, that really is something that has to be backburnered. And and even if you don't trying to make it work, and it sounds like if I'm to pick up on what you were talking about, sounds like that was a, that was a conflict within your life a little bit. The travel versus relationships or not, or my misreading? Well, it, it had, I mean, I was never in a relationship where I was willing to put the work on a back burner, but now is different. So, and, um, basically, now is that because Joe is in the room because if he no. had just blink three times and everything no. would be fine. Okay. All right. But also he, he also works in the business. He understands yeah. the travel aspect of it and he knows what you do and yeah, he right. knows yeah. you're good at what you do. What's that? I said, thanks for wrecking my joke, John. No, no, he's in the room. I mean, I'm just trying oh, to no. save her. He's, not, he's, he's looking not at her like making this. Everybody is answering my stupid question for it real. Like it's real. Dog. Anyway, but no, yeah, I, no, the travel thing Were you. Ex- so here's my real question is, was that for some people, that's actually an exciting part of the job. And then for other people, they're like, oh, dude, I don't, it's exhausting to travel. I don't no. want to keep getting jobs out of state. I want to live where I live. I I love traveling. I'm totally happy to, but now like that I have this relationship and I don't want to fuck it up. We both, cause he travels too. He, the whole year was, um, he was in Hawaii for four months right when I got home. So then he was gone. It was just, and so we're not, neither of us are working right now. So, but we both know that we're going to have to make some tough decisions. Um, but we haven't, we don't know what they are yet. Cause we don't yeah. know what jobs are coming up. No way. We don't, nobody knows at this stage. No one knows. Right. No, well, but that's, but that's the interesting thing about the, this business of working in, in, in Hollywood is the fact that everybody moves here or you're born here, but people move here 
assuming this is where they're going to work, it's expensive as shit to live here. And then the next thing you know, like there can be strings where you're never where you you're never here. Yeah. You're always working elsewhere. And then you say to yourself, what the hell did I move here for if I'm never <laughs> working here? You know, but again, it's it's all about like you talked about making the contacts, getting yeah. to know the people. You still do have to yeah. have that foot one at least one foot in that that area. Yeah, I think. Um, that, sorry, go ahead, Kate. I think that traveling for work, I like more than just traveling for pleasure, because you meet people. I feel like I have a purpose there. You're doing all these things that you wouldn't do if you were just like a tourist walking around with your fanny pack. And, um, so I actually would prefer to travel for work. Yeah. Unless what is that? when, when you work on some of these jobs, like you're talking about some pretty amazing locations. Um, how do you prep for that? Are you are you actually shipping the stuff with you, or are some of these places they have it built in, or does that make it really hard? You get down there and you're hitting the ground running, trying to figure out if they have what you what's in your mind doesn't right. exist here. Like, she has a right. cartoon suitcase that she pulls like ladders out of and stuff. Oh, good. <laughs> so she's a pop comic. Meets, yeah. um, okay, good. Basically, she goes by the name Carrot Top Kate, and she does a lot of bits when she's yeah. working. Um, but how does that work when if, if if when you land and you have a vision, and is that even harder, or do you like the challenge of it? I mean, I each place is different. Like I just uh, worked in Philadelphia. They they do a lot of like going to. Um, Re, uh, real estate. What are they called when people die? And, estate, uh, estate sales, um, yeah, yeah. Estate sales and auctions. But w- they were close enough to New York that if we had to go rent stuff in New York, or um, sometimes it was just faster to send a truck to New York because you know what props are at that prop house or where to get that thing. Um, but if you use local crew, they have their ways of getting stuff or you have to make a lot of things or, um, I don't know when we did a job in Fiji, we built stuff. Uh, we did a job into play, right? Kate, that's the other thing too, is you still got to make a budget work. Like you're talking about like, Oh, just drive to New York and stuff like that. And even though in your story, it's that simple, it still has to get cleared, right? You still got to run the numbers and make sure that every, everything you're doing, you're not going over budget. There's that other level of this. Yeah. But I like every job feels like a runaway train once it starts. And so there's a budget they want me to stay on. There's a budget that when I break it down, we kind of have to come to an agreement. Like, I think it's going to cost this much when I look at it and you think it's going to cost this much. So they approve it or whatever. But um, it's just a constant. It's probably the part that I hate the most. It's like this constant, what feels kind of like a fight about money because the director wants this. And I like at the end of the day, I want it to look as best as it can. Um, and of course, I'd love to stay on budget, but. I honestly don't know. Well, also the producers tell you that they have a certain amount of money and they have all this other stash that they don't tell you about. So, um, I don't know. Do you play into that? You know that? I I mean, I really tried and, and all the jobs function differently. Like on a commercial, I'm in charge of my budget. I like do the whole budget myself. And, and I normally really great about even if it's more than they want to spend, I know like what it's going to take on a TV show. Like we don't have someone who tracks the budget 
the same way. So, um, so it's a lot easier for me to be like, yeah, I want that $400 a roll wallpaper because I don't have to look at the numbers because it's not actually part of, I mean, it, it is, and it's not part of my job. Yeah, it's a little more concerned with that. That, like, on a TV show, they're like they kind of, I don't know, hold the production designer on a higher pedestal, and they always are like, "Oh, what furniture do you want in your office?" I'm like, "I just need a lamp and a desk. I don't like. I'm not. (laughs) I don't shooting in here, are we? Yeah, not going to be on camera. So, So, well, I was going. Can I say something real quick? Yeah, Uh, I was going to say that when we worked together on that Zappos thing. Oh, yeah. there, there was at one point you were like, okay, well, I need a better couch in here. And I was like, yeah, but there's already a couch. I and mean, can't we just use a couch? And you're like, I remember you looking at it. And I remember you, I could see like the wheels turning. Like, well, don't tell them to fuck off. But um, <laughs> like you said something like, if we can frame it out. And I was like, oh, so that means you don't want the couch in there at all. So if we use it, it won't be in the shot. And you're like, I just, it would look I was like, fine, yeah, get the other couch. And it looked a thousand times better. I mean, it wasn't like, and it wasn't like I didn't believe you or think that you were wrong. I was just like, that's like a real expensive couch to rent. I just didn't want to spend the money. The job I did in Philadelphia, which is called Dispatches from Elsewhere. It's on AMC. And it's, I mean, they just uh, finished, it just finished showing, but it was like um, very creative too. It was a really cool show. But the the producer, in the script, it called for me to build a space station. And we didn't have enough time. We didn't have enough money. But I still wanted to do something cool. Um, and he, he he's like, well, why don't we just shoot it all on green screen? And I, like, I think steam came out of my ears. I'm like, what is the point of me fucking being here if you just want to like do your producer thing and shoot it in front of a green screen, which we didn't do, but, um, that's your enemy, right? The green screen is your enemy. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. So you know, or the producer who just doesn't care about the production, the, what, the way it looks like he's obviously worried about the money and stuff like that. So, um, I have to fight for, um, what it looks like and what, what money goes on screen. So did you go with a super clean look? (laughs) No, we ended up building a forest on the stage, even though there was a forest right outside of our stage, but there were like (laughs) ticks and stuff. So they didn't want the whole production. And plus we're shooting at night and getting lights. And so they're like, well, why don't we just, the whole reason we are going to do a forest is because it was right there. And then they decided they don't want to go there. So just build it on stage. And I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. Did you have to build it? Could you go out and cut down trees and bring them inside? Yeah. That, well, we hired the greens department who we had to fly in from Atlanta because it was so busy. We couldn't find greens guys. So they, those guys came in, they go off, they cut down trees just for the trunk and then they rebuild them and they put them on stands and yeah. Wow. Hollywood, everybody. Hollywood. Yeah. Welcome to Hollywood, Canada. Yeah. Philadelphia. Oh, Hollywood, Um, Philadelphia. But that's a that's a perfect example, and you touched on something that I want to bring back here. It's a perfect example of not only do you have this pre-production vision, but there's so much negotiation and adaptability, which makes you also can either make you some could see you as not an effective production designer, right? And then other people can see you like, no, no, 
she's great because like if, if, if presented with a problem in the moment, even if it's an unrealistic request, she's moldable, she'll find a way to make it happen. And then there's some other people who are like, no, I, this is what we're going to do. And mm-hmm. kind of stand firm. Where do you, are, do you see yourself as a little bit of both? Yeah. I mean, I pretty much, I want to bring to the table what I know the director wants. Um, I'm pretty good about rolling with the punches and, and all, and, and all that. And I kind of, um, I can be a bit stoic and, um, so sometimes I think that the production designers that throw big fits and like lose their mind kind of get what they want a little bit more. And it's not my personality and I don't do that. Um, but I have like, Oh, maybe I should be more of a bitch or, and be able to get the things that I want. But I mean, we can, if you want to, you want to, you want to do some role play. If you want to start working on it, we can do some role play. We can, we can channel. I was say, it's you weird, can practice storming out of the room for a sec and then come back in if you want to work on some stuff. But, yeah. but I, re- I don't remember like, I remember, I remember when I would ask for stuff and you just tell me how it was. So, on like Zappos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, I've gotten the longer I've done it, the more secure I am with like what my decisions are and why and like versus money and and all that stuff. And um, so, but I guess I'm talking about like the space station versus a green screen. And that was an argument where I'm like, we had to bring in the director creator, which was actually Jason Siegel. I'm like, you tell him that you're going to not give him a space station and build it on green screen. I'm not, I'm not agreeing to that. So that was kind of a point of contention um, between the producer and I. Speaking and of that, that, it got, but it got resolved in a, in a, in well, a um, rational way. Yeah. I mean, Jason basically turned to me. He's like, well, what can we do? I'm like, we can do so many. I mean, you want me to build a space station. We can do anything, but like someone, I, it was the a very, the first time this has happened where I ended up in the writing writers, uh, RV thing where we were like, can we, they were like, can we do this? I'm like, yes, we can do this where I'm like, how do we, and it's such a, uh, the show is like out there, like, Oh, can we bring them in there in this way? I'm like, okay, let me think how we can, uh, yeah. Okay. We could do that. Write that in. It was the first time. And they will rewrite stuff for like, depending on what we can and can't do. But you actually helped crafted this, this scene yeah, because of what you could and could do. Yeah. yeah. Cause we were running out of time and money. Um, I would guess that the most oh. difficult thing for a production designer, having been around all forms of production, has to be commercial making. And the reason why I bring that up is because you also have the ad agency yeah. coming in. So oh. you have so many different voices. You have ad agency. <sighs> and there's like the one thing that I've always found very interesting about that is not only in pre-production, but in production, there's like 17,000 chairs behind the monitor. Mm -hmm. And so there's so many cooks in the kitchen from the ad agency to the producer, to the director, to the first AD, to some guy named Eric that no one asked, but he's got an idea. (laughs) Hey, has anyone asked Eric what he thinks? Who the fuck Eric again? Hey guys, it's me, Eric. I was just going to chime in here and say that maybe the thread count of the sheets should be 400. How do you... 
how do you manage that when there seems to be a disagreement behind the monitor about the look and how do you manage that kind of stuff? I mean, obviously I know it's, it's left up to the producers and the directors and ultimately you might back, you might stay out of it. Yeah. But like, how did that play? And that's, that's gotta be very stressful when too many people have ideas. Well, I think that one that where me being kind of stoic comes into play really well. Cause I'll just, I, they just need to, just tell me what you want is at this point, my, the way I think about it, like I'll do whatever you want. It will cost money time. So that will all come into play. So you guys figure it out and let me know what you want and I'll let you know what I can do. And at this point, I don't freak out too much about it. I, I used to get like, it used to make me crazy, but um. Yeah, well, I don't really freak don't out. you worry that I mean, I'm assuming there was a point in your career where you're thinking to yourself, I'm trying to build a resume. I'm trying to build um, a, a book for myself. And if and you do have to be protective of that, right? Because yeah. if too many people creatively get in your way, they're destroying your resume. They're destroying your book, right? So right. there's a fine line. Well, I mean, but I'm here to like make what their vision is come true or come to life. So but sometimes aren't they wrong? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it's your commercial, your, your right. product. Do you want to like show your thing the way you want to show it? Would I do it that way? No, I think that looks like shit, but that's what they <laughs> asked for. So, I mean, I'll do it. Have you ever done a lot of work on something and then you see the edit and you're like, hey, great job on all the close-ups, guys. I'm glad I dressed this yes. whole thing for nothing. Dude, isn't, it's insane what they'll use for, and from a commercial shoot. You'll be like, man, this looks epic. This looks like a film. We made a movie for this product. And then you look at the final thing, you're like, was this shot in a dark closet? Yeah. There's nothing Actually, here. Yeah. One, right now I have to go through um, – I well, we have to enter our own stuff in for the, for the Emmys. So I'm entering baskets season four and then, God the, damn. but I was like watching it. I'm like, Oh yeah, that was a cool set because a lot of the sets were like boring Bakersfield looking thing. But we made this like, um, at the carpet warehouse, we made this like cool sixties, seventies room and they let us spend qu- quite a bit of money on it. And then I'm watching the cut and I'm like, all you saw was like five rolls of carpet and like, I'm like, okay, well I don't even want to enter in that whole episode or whatever. Because so. <laughs> just like, yeah, cool. You stack some carpets. Way to yeah. go lady. Yeah, exactly. And the so. Emmy goes to five rolls of carpet. Yeah. The carpet brothers. Oh, so yeah. you worked with Mr. Louis Anderson then. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I did just season four, which was awesome. And I'm sad that one, it's over. Which one, how many seasons did they end up doing? Six or four? four? Four okay. it was the last season. Four was last season. Yeah. Um. What? So TV seems to be your favorite. You were saying you do more TV than anything else, or is that just whatever offered you? Yeah. I mean, the year before that, I did all commercials and maybe one TV show or something like that. And then last year, I didn't. I did it must one or two commercials, and oh. everything was TV. And but what's interesting to me is how come you so. I was always, and I've seen this happen before, so I'm pretending that I don't understand it. But normally, um, the production designer, for consistency purposes, stays throughout a series. But sometimes they will switch them. What, what normally, ha- like, how do you end up replacing somebody else? Like, or is it they just get other jobs and they leave? Or like, how does that, like, what? Especially when it comes to TV and consistency, but to bring in different people, what's that about? How does that work? I mean, 
baskets i'm not sure the the guy he didn't the production designer didn't want to come back for the last season i don't know exactly why i know that um i don't know stick to a theme is that part of the challenge though they they've already established a look yeah a feel yeah so things that like you, if I didn't do the pilot, then I have to like, I'm kind of going off someone else's design. And when I'm entering stuff into like the Emmys, for instance, um, they may have to make sure that basically you've done uh, two thirds of the designs of um, like new sets and stuff like that, or, or it doesn't count then. So um, yeah, for baskets, I don't know. The guy didn't want to come back for, um, the it's called dispatches from elsewhere i did the pilot um we did everything all they they didn't do a pilot we just did it all at once so that's all mine and then um what we do in the shadows i actually it was the only time since i've well this is kind of a sad and funny story um i wasn't working a lot as a production designer in 2014 and i was like okay, now I'm going to just go through my email list and figure out what were my favorite jobs that I've ever worked on. So like flight of the Concords. And I just wrote, I mean, I hadn't talked to some of those guys in 10 years or so just wrote them an email like Taika Watiti and Jermaine Clement. And like, I don't even know if they remembered me and both of them wrote me back and I was just happy. Like, yeah, I didn't get a job from it, but I was just happy that they even took the time to write me back. And then a month or two later, I got an email saying, hey, they have a job. They want to check your availability. And I had told them in my email that I'm designing now. So they check my availability. I'm like, I literally started crying. I was so excited to be like asked to be part of this. So a week goes by and I think that I've gotten hired to design the pilot for what we do in the shadows. And I'm talking to this other guy from New Zealand and he's sending me some information and I'm like, huh, it's kind of weird that he's kind of like inserted, like sticking his nose in my business. A You're little like, bit. I should be sending this information to him. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, but maybe that's how they do it. And so then I started talking to the producer and she sends me a list because I, they're going to shoot it here. A bunch of them are coming from New Zealand. I have to find the crew. And so, um, I asked the producer for a list of like who we need to book, whatever, who she budgeted. And she doesn't put in a line for an art director. So it goes like production designer, art director. And so she doesn't give me an art director. I'm like, how am I supposed to do this job without like my right hand man? And so I email her and I'm like, you you didn't give me any money for an art director and she goes what she's like do you need you're the art director yeah she's and so basically she's like you're the art director i'm all what so then i google the guy that i've been talking to and he just production designed um (laughs) lord of the rings (laughs) well yeah he worked on lord of the rings but he did uh dragon rock what's the Oh yeah, Thor. Yeah, he just fucking. I'm like, oh my god! And luckily, you're like nice pictures, guys. (laughs) Luckily, I didn't say anything, but I wrote him like an apology, and I mean, it was funny. And I'm like, I'd be happy to art direct for you. So I ended up art directing under him for the pilot, and it worked out great. And I, it was really fun to work with him. But on the pilot they had said like, we don't think that he's going to be able to do the j- job. So 
you'll probably design it. I'm like, yeah, yeah, we'll see. And then, then that happened. So wow, that happened that way. Um, so it's just kind of all over the place. I do don't you, know. what is like, when I think about like TV that I watch and I think about, there are things that some things people are like production designers on and they design something to look so that when I look at it as a viewer, I'm not really being like, oh, okay, whatever. It's a house. Okay. It's a, this, it's a, that. And then there's stuff like, baskets and what we do in the shadows and flight of the concourse that is is visually entertaining like just as important as like those two guys being idiots together in flight of the concourse was the music videos and Mm -hmm. how those looked and how those came about and like there's got to be something that's in your resume or that's in your book or that that gives people the idea that look we need something that looks a little bit I don't want to say above average. I just mean like different, you know what I mean? Just a yeah. little bit different and, and striking and something that people are going to like see and be like, Oh yeah, that's also good for my eyes. Like I'm, right. I'm enjoying, I'm laughing because what I'm hearing, but also I'm liking what I'm seeing. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, I have a website, so like you can kind of see my aesthetic, although it's always different depending on what the script calls for. Sure. Um, and luckily enough, you know, part of it's just like luck and part of it's like what you get stuck doing. Like, um, you might be someone who gets offered a soap opera and you decide to take it. And now that's on your resume. Now people know you do soap operas and you turn into the soap opera person. And luckily when I art directed, we did all sorts of things. And now like I have a bunch of stuff that's my own designs that run the gamut and people get to look at that and kind of see, you know, from baskets to what we do in the shadows and dispatches kind of falls <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. But I'm sure that's, that's also, you know, I haven't seen any of that yet, but it's obviously, I'm sure it's uh, visually striking. Yeah. Unique. That, that was cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I don't, a part of it's just like luck and like, who you know? Are they going to offer you a job? What is that job? What are they calling for? What does it look like? You know. So, do you think that knowing me when I was a PA is that what helps you launch? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Watching me do jello shots at parties. Fuck. Did you, uh, Kate? Did you? Did you? Did you dress my front yard? Oh, for Zappos. Because we shot at your Maybe. house. Yeah. Uh, I don't think she came, but she might have sent somebody. Yeah, I think we dropped off. Had to because there, you guys didn't really do anything to my house, but yeah, we didn't. We just did a door, a door thing there. Yeah, maybe I brought a doormat. Not me oh, personally. No, 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 it was a for sale sign or something in the front oh. of the yard or something. Yeah, one of your one of your guys definitely dropped some for sale stuff. Yeah, and plants yeah. to cover the and rate. and also, uh, what a good crew you hire too. So like. On top of like obviously people who uh, hire you like working with you, uh, I'm assuming like you you hire just the people you know that yeah. you like that you trust that you don't have any fucking bullshit with that are gonna do what they're told when they're told to do it and have fun doing it. Yeah, but um, Philadelphia, I had a brand new crew. I was the new person that walked in. Same Ooh. thing with Toronto when I showed up. I was just the new person, and luckily, like. I've worked with amazing people like, and then we just like love each other. And there's been a few, um, like the first decorator on my Philadelphia job on dispatches. We, I mean, he was a fine guy, but like it wasn't working out. And so 
we basically decided that he, like he too decided he, he needed to go. And then it was magic after that. Like the, yeah. the girl, ladies that came in after were just great. So, I mean, there's some glitches, but for the most part, I've been really lucky to have work with great people. Uh, a couple things. First off, real quick, my edibles have kicked in. Secondly, yeah, buddy. dad time. Marijuana dad time. Marijuana sticks. I'm a dad. I do CBD. John, you got a little delay on you. You got you got you have your flange going right now. Did you hook your um, your microphone up to your guitar setup? Your can you imagine if I had one of those Peter? I have that Peter Frampton thing. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Hopefully, it doesn't play out on the other thing. But um, I was going to ask you, Kate. So early on, I because I think we've all had this working in production. Did you did you ever have a flip out moment where you're like? like it was just the stupidest thing that just set you off because it was already a stressful thing and you start questioning every decision you ever made or you too you seem like a very mellow person but i don't know you that well but i just feel like production always gets to everybody at some moment you have your moment but then you move on but still you just you you kick a wall you throw a piece of prop you just you lose your shit for a second and um, or did you ever have anybody that did that around you and that could oh, yeah. be awkward? Yeah, I, there was, um, one time my, my lead man lost his shit and he was like, he's a really wonderful person, but he's just kind of talking badly to like my PA and over the walkie. And I was like, hell no, like that's no one's here for that. And like, I, I mean, we, definitely had to sit down and talk it out but I don't it it takes me so much to lose my shit like so not really I don't um yeah I don't really freak out maybe internally I get migraines and stuff like that so maybe that's it you bottle it up you bottle it up yeah Yeah, okay your freak out is a high-pitched noise inside of your head that is also a knife stabbing okay very midwest of you Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I don't really, I don't, I'm not a yeller. I don't really freak out. And I kind of, even like on a scout or in a meeting, when someone suggests something that's like, I'm, I'm sure Insane. there's a yeah. look on my face, like, we'll see about that. I know there's that. Uh, because there's so many other conversations before I actually have to do that thing, like money and time. Yeah. And all that stuff. yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you're first starting and someone suggests that, you're like, oh my God, that might be a thing he wants me to really do. And then you, but now you realize you have to let that sit and yeah. then let them go, oh, wait, we can't just start fucking letting dogs loose during a fucking parade, whatever. Yeah. yeah. Whatever crazy shit they want to do. When did you start working in the business? What year did you start? 2002. Okay. So can I ask you a question? It's a little more of a serious question, what? but do you, th- what do yeah. you see the production world? Be right. Why? Why well, I quit at uh, Rocket Science at in two thousand and two and started working for on Mash reunion show. Right, but you worked in production before two thousand two. Oh you well, yeah, but work. I didn't work in the yeah. art department. Oh, no. right, right, right. Yeah. When did you start working in production in general? Like I mean, nineteen ninety nine is when I graduated. Not to yeah, when I graduated college, okay. and I just started working like that summer. Uh, sculpting so 
Okay, right. so let's go back to the mash reunion. What, <laughs> I never, I never remember a mash reunion. I, I, it wasn't a reunion; it was a reality show, right? No, it was a reunion show, and we had to rebuild like their. I don't know um, their Malibu? names. Mm-hmm. No, we built it at uh, Hollywood Center Studios. That was rocket science, and we built like their mess tent and the the. Oh, and they just came out and talked. Yeah. <clears throat> and, yeah. 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 Oh, sharing stories. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy with like the little glasses, little radar. Yeah, he left his mic on when he went to the restroom. (laughs) 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 Radar's taking a dookie. (laughs) Hey, boss. Yeah, it happens. But that, I mean, that job we had to match like their. I think it's a gin. The gin still in the tent and, um, like. The, he, I forgot what actor it is, but he always wears kind of like this pink undershirt, salmon color and undershirt, but he had it and he brought it. So we got to put it in our set. And like, um, I was so excited just looking at all the old footage and going, there's a prop house history for hire. So like they helped us like figure out, um, the like time era, whatever, all the authentic stuff for, for it. Um, and that I just had so much fun just geeking out, trying to match things and painting the little thing to make it sure it looked exactly like that one or I don't know. You know, it's interesting you bring that up about I, I do have a separate question I want to ask in a sec, but I want to stick on this for a sec. Prop houses. Um, for the average person who doesn't really understand that whole thing, um, the prop houses are basically where you can just rent anything and each one of them specializes and there's massive ones, there's tiny ones. But I'm curious with prop houses. So do you ever find stuff that it gets reused and you see it and you're like, Oh my God, that's like a famous piece from like a fa- Like, does that stuff still exist out there? Yeah. Or that, does that stuff disappear? Like, are there reused stuff that are very iconic that just gets recycled mm. through over and over again that people know about or not really? I'm, I'm sure there is. But that's not like a common thing that people think about when they go into these places. Like this is um, the stereo from gremlins. Yes. I mean, not, I mean, I'm sure some people do, but I, I wouldn't, most things I wouldn't look at. There are, especially when I'm watching TV, I'm like, oh, I've rented that picture before. <laughs> or <laughs> what's the movie that just came out uh, that's kind of like Clue with... Oh, um, uh, Knives Out. Yeah. So I, I'm like, oh, I just used that same wallpaper in my AM Dispatches show. Like, So there are definitely things like that that's that I recognize. Going back to the question that I wanted to ask earlier, um, which is you started in 99 and obviously this is 2020. As a woman, have you seen production evolve? Because I remember when I first got out here, I mean, the behaviors on sets were a little bit different in the early 2000s versus probably what they are now. Yeah. I mean... uh, Yeah, I mean... (laughs) I mean, I've had like gaffers slap me on the ass on set i mean just that would never happen today never well maybe it would but um, no it would but that gaffer would be fired and there yeah. would be it's the gaffer's last and, job and i like yeah, 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 yeah. also i'm older and i have a lot more confidence in what i'm doing and what i say is like educated and correct or whatever so that place of knowledge yeah (laughs) so that plays a part in it too so i have an easier time kind of speaking up and be like 
no, that's not how we're like, that doesn't make sense or whatever. But, um, yeah, I actually in, uh, we had a producer that got fired recently for being inappropriate. Not, I mean, he was inappropriate with me and I had to talk to HR and I didn't go to them. They contacted me cause someone Cause told them and yeah. Then I was kind of terrified, like, well, is it, does he know that I'm talking? And they're like, well, if we have to tell him that you are someone like that, oh. then we will talk to you first. But I mean, I, yeah, I was kind of scared. But, and at the same time, I'm like, whatever, I have a, like, if that guy never wants to hire me again, which is totally other, fine. Other like people will. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so, yes, it's, it's, I mean, I guess it's changed or maybe it kind of hasn't, but we just all deal with it a little bit differently. But like when, when the guy slapped me on the ass, I mean, I was probably in my twenties and I told my boss and he didn't give a shit. He was and, like, all right, have five. Yeah. So five. Yeah. Jeez, but, you asked for it by having that butt and wearing pants. Right. But strangely, <laughs> I um my friend ended up dating that guy and we were at a bar in uh, Texas. Uh, and he weird. did it again. And I turned around and slapped him so hard on the top of the head. It was like this crazy cowboy bar, chain link in front of the band, a yeah, mechanical ball people two stepping and i swear to god you could hear the slap on his head because he's like totally bald and like the record scratched and he slowly put down his beer i'm like oh my god this guy's gonna punch me in the face and (laughs) he was like why would you do that he's like that's a term like that's a basically a term of of endearment in my family i go like shut the fuck up what are you talking about like anyway I like how it still didn't register with him. He's like, no, no. My dad's been slapping me on the ass. <laughs> little boy, what's your problem? Um, on a more positive spin, um, was there a moment when you did a project and you were standing there and then you got that adrenaline rush of like, wow, yes, this is really cool. I'm so glad I chose the, the things that, I, that I've done. I've made exactly. the right decisions. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot yeah. of times, like even on tiny yeah. stuff where – Yes, that actually looked good for like what we could it pull looked off. Awesome! Yeah. They went to TV with it. It was only supposed to be on the internet. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. There's a lot of times, even small stuff, just because you're working really hard, and just because it's like bigger or smaller, like the smaller projects have less crews, so you kind of are working almost harder. The bigger projects have more people to kind of disperse all the work through. So. I mean, yes, there's plenty of times that I just like, wow, this turned out really cool. And um, I mean, I like patterns and colors and kind of like to go out there. So sometimes when you're putting all these weird things together, you're like, wow, this could really look like shit. <laughs> <laughs> it could look like a book threw up. Yeah. Pictures. So, Do you remember the first time you saw your work on television? And uh, I... I and how, what was that like? I mean, meaning this is something that you, that mattered yeah, to you when you got I to mean, see it. You were like, "Cool, this is." Yeah, cool. I mean, a, a bunch of like commercials that I've done were the first things that started coming out. That I, I think they 
I don't watch sports, but I was dating someone and he would have ESPN on and they would come on ESPN all the time. I'm like, Oh my God, I did that. Like, so I definitely remember that. That's awesome. Yeah. You just kind of giggle and look around to see who wants to ask you questions, (laughs) even though no one knows what the hell you're giggling about. It is a, it is a quiet, uh, it is a quiet fame. Yeah. Cause even though you're like, I did that. People don't even know like what you're referring, like they don't know what that means. And they're like, Oh, Cool, you know. You're a director. Which, You're not in this, are yeah. you? Which I, I'm, I'm glad because I almost forgot to ask this earlier, and you brought it up because I think this is really important to understand what your, how your role functions in all of this. And like you said, so like whether it's a commercial or a movie or a television show, the director has a vision, and you sit down and you work with that person to help them create their visual. Mm-hmm. idea of what they of of what they want so really your job is to work with the with those people to to get across their point yeah you know? yeah i mean i get a script i read it i have my own thoughts visions whatever about it then um you work a lot with the locations department because we build a lot of stuff but we shoot a lot of stuff on location and yeah, what can you use what what can you not use yeah and there's a lot of information ob- i mean there is and there isn't information in the script that tells you what those things are and then um you know i we have discussions about what are the director's thoughts and sometimes like if they know me like on dispatches we did maybe one or one and a half episodes and I was still like, okay, do you want to talk about what this is going to look like? And it got to the point where like, we trust you just do whatever you want. I'm like, okay. That's got to feel good. Yeah. And shadow, uh, shadow, what we do in the shadows is kind of the same at this point. Not, not entirely, but um, on what we do in the shadows, sometimes there's references and they're very obvious, like little spoofs on things and sometimes not. And, um, Jermaine especially, um, is very visual. And so he has, um, a lot of input and sometimes, and sometimes not. Um, and other directors have like no vision of what it's supposed to look like at all. So it just depends. Yeah. yeah, and it can get very complex. I, I don't think a lot of people know this, but there's a, a lot of times in pre-production they're talking about like, so what's the color palette for this? Like, what what's the diversity of, of the cast? Is there anything in the storyline? Does it go from very bright to very mute? Like all little things. Like what's what uh, what um, uh, what is the wardrobe department? Like what are they yeah. what are they doing? How is that going to play against the lighting that the that the lighting director or whoever is going to be doing against that the contrast within the rooms that we're designing. Like it's not as simple as going, we're doing 1970s. Just go get me some 1970s. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Dispatches was Jason Siegel, Andre 3000, Sally Fields, and then um, this um, trans woman, Eve Lindley. And each, um, the first four episodes are kind of each of their stories separately. And so they really, um, wanted to gear the production design towards each of them for the first four episodes. So we had, and, and you would do this anyways, cause you're trying to figure out, I mean, the smallest things that I put in a set tells a story about who, who the character is. is. Yeah. Like, without, without having to go. And she also likes miniatures. Like right. she, you know what I mean? It's like, it, yeah. it, it gives you, it's a way to tell the story visually without having to just fucking say it right out loud which is right. obnoxious yeah yeah so um yeah there's a lot of 
talk about that and me working with wardrobe department trying to figure out yeah what color is this guy what color are you painting the walls so I don't like blend our character right into the wall or something or, or let's blend them right into the wall yeah right know? yeah yeah so, her name is Melissa wallpaper maybe she yeah. should look exactly well it, it can get very complex do you know because I mean that was the beauty of working in production but even when I started the directing stuff and people started talking to me about stuff that I wasn't aware of because you know a lot of times you're stupid and you're just like fill the frame like you think that's the job is just to fill the frame not realizing mm-hmm. there's a whole story that should be told. But then again, I was also trained by some people that were always, were making some pretty shitty product. They were also like, doesn't matter what we got behind here. Yeah, if you yeah. aren't paying attention to what's going on with the actors and they're paying too much attention to what the production designer did, then we failed anyway. Like there's always like these Dude, weird ideologies. Was, that was yeah. Ed Wood. They were like, Hey man, there's, there's no continuity. And this thing just fell over. He's like, if people are looking at that, then we're not doing our job. Like yeah, yeah. your job is to tell a story seamlessly without yeah. me going, what the fuck is going on in the background? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> also being it, what I, what, what I also like is that when, when it does start getting to that point of storytelling, to be able to sit down with a production designer and really go, all right, let's hammer out what's happening in this scene. And the production designer sometimes be like, you know, you know what, what you can, what can help here mm-hmm. is if we add this and this and this, and you're like, holy shit, that really just enhanced yeah, something more than just two talking heads yeah, on screen. And yeah. it adds to the character. Then the the actors can feel that. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I was like the actors on what we do in the shadows did a whole like little YouTube video of like the, the house that we built for them is kind of a character in itself within the story then. And, um, so that was cool to watch like their take on. All oh, I'll have to find that. Uh, Those actors are incredibly funny. Yeah. Like there's the subtlety with which I believe that they're idiotic vampires is it's so well done. Yeah. I really can't tell you how much I love that show. So ever, without naming names, have you ever had an actor tell you what to do? Uh, like yeah. Either- which, and how do you handle that? Because it's just like, what? what? Well, they told me to be careful of her anyway, so. Um, <laughs> it already came with a warning label? Yeah. So, I mean, so it what wasn't. Did, what did Gary Busey do in a, in a, as, as a woman? Let's be honest. No, I'm just um, actually, I did listen to the podcast or what, where you guys were talking about Gary Busey, but my sister worked on... Um, uh, celebrity rehab with him, and <laughs> just he was such a mess. I was just say everybody, no one leaves working with Gary Busey. The, the gift that Gary Busey gives everyone that works with Gary Busey is everybody leaves with the Gary Busey story. That's yeah. worth telling. Worth telling, right? That's yeah. the thing. It has to be worth telling. Yeah, <laughs> I think I think John froze for a sec. John, if you can hear me, you might have to pop off and, and and pop back in again. What was the greatest challenge that you had that you were so like, it was a lot of work. It was really, really hard, but it really paid off. Like, what's the one thing, do you have like a specific thing that you go to in your mind of like the proudest accomplishment that you have, even if nobody else noticed it, mm-hmm. if you knew for yourself that this was going to be a monumental task, but you were up for it and you were so proud of what. Um, the, I mean, they all kind of feel like that, but, um, there was a, there's a set, I don't think it's shown yet 
or the episode hasn't come out on uh, what we do in the shadows, but it's, it was kind of this like back and forth. Should we build it? We don't have enough time, money or space to build it. Let's look for a location. We can't find a location. Let's build it like back and forth. So, um, yeah, we ended up sculpting all this stuff. And I mean, it, it, and it was in a location. So we had to fit everything through just like a double door. So you can't pre-build stuff, but you also don't have enough time to build it inside from scratch. So you have to build things in pieces that fit through double doors. And then, I mean, yeah, we were painting stuff as they're setting, I mean, a camera. And so it, it's like a, yeah, I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it at all because it hasn't aired yet. Like, but, but well, maybe you, you've touched on a lot of things too. Do you have one thing that you do within your world that's, that's your Zen? Like, is it sculpting? Is it specifically, is there something that like, it, it's like a place you like to go to? Cause it's, it's, it's of kind all of your skills thing within it. Yeah. Like as far as art department stuff, I don't get to a lot, but I like, I like to work with my hands That's and make stuff. But at this point I'm, I don't get to do that a lot. So, um, that I like, I can't check out and like get into a project when I'm working. Cause like I need to constantly. Yeah. Love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that, like as far as me, I like to ch- do that stuff. But at work, yeah, I don't get to do that. But I love to do Zumba. Like it's just, I'll, yeah. Don't what Zumba? What like work? Like a exercise? Yeah, she oh. does it, she does it on set, and people are like, "Are you done now? Yeah. Can we, can we shoot. Are we or are you going to keep Zumbaing? Yeah, or dance, whatever. So I mean. And are and I guess are you asking about like how I stay calm or whatever no, I'm just curious, or just in like, my life well no i was using it as an example like i which is how i, I know your fiance but running the herald examiner for all the years you know i dealt with thousands upon thousands of people and sometimes it could be very stressful and my go-to release on the job was um uh, working on sets, like when people weren't there, I always had to reset things and, and re-envision things to try to get more business. So like my thing was, I'd like kind of like we were talking about, I'd like to be hands-on. I didn't mm-hmm. like to just sit there and be the the guy that walked around and showed you things. I was always yeah. kind of like, my mind was on a different place of like, well, I can show you stuff or I can create something and maybe that will help me work with you. Like, mm-hmm. so that was my Zen was to go into these sets and see if I had anything in the building that I could swap out and revision it. And, you know, if there was things that on your, on the job that like you're, that you like going to, it's, it's a, it's your favorite thing to do on the job. I mean, and well, I also, it's very hard during the day because you're constantly like being asked questions or answer this and no answer this, no go this way. Like I'm constantly being pulled in a million different directions, but to just go in my office and like, okay, I'm going to design a set. So you sit down with kind of just like a blank page and just kind of start drawing and working stuff out. And so, um, yeah, that kind of thing, but that doesn't happen till everyone goes home and I can just be quiet. Um, yeah. So you like sitting on empty sets after you've done them. 
after you don't have a lot of time sometimes and then I kind of tinker with stuff or like oh I saw that or you didn't paint that edge like I end up picking them apart (laughs) Um, has your job affected how you design your house yeah I don't want to (laughs) I don't want like I don't or I don't want to spend money on it I'm like oh my god I know how much this actually costs to do it how I would like it so just um, take product off the set one board at a yeah, time. Right? Do you have product from shows that, uh, that you, do, are you, do you collect some of your work or you, or no, it doesn't. I used to you. just like have, I mean, I still have lots of shit, but like I used to just kind of, Oh my God, I could use these someday. And like my whole garage, <laughs> I just pulled like 25 miniature alligator feet out of a box. Like, <laughs> maybe I'll use these for something. So I try not to take any of it home anymore. So, because you don't want to order, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Well, you throw those alligator feet away. We're going to write a sketch about alligator feet tomorrow. I know. Of course. It is funny that of all the things you could have referenced, you're like, I could totally use these alligator feet someday. That's like the last thing. That anybody but would say, this is what I need at my house, baby alligator. That's also where your mind is. You're like, no, I, I can. this could be in a music video called Baby Alligator Toes. <laughs> yeah, they were maybe, I, maybe at the time they were like hard to get as many as we needed. <laughs> so I was like, well, if we ever need you them again, How many baby alligator yeah. feet? You want 25? That's insane, lady. Come yeah. on. Yeah, a lot of that. So I try not to save stuff anymore. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. that's fair. Especially when you're making huge shit. It's like, hey, just going to move these huge tubes of fucking clouds in or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. And also, like, I'm, my house, there's definitely, like, I like my spaces to be functional, obviously. I don't, I mean, I like them to look nice when you walk in, but they also need to be functional. So sometimes the design part of, like, my space is just like, well... I needed something there and sorry, it's not like, uh, yeah, that's that. Yeah. You, um, uh, you said that your primary is, is television and, and, and definitely some, uh, you, you did a lot of work in commercial, but did you, did you, ha- uh, work in film at all? And did you, did you enjoy some, was it mostly independent and was there some stuff that you really enjoyed working on? Um, I, I have only done a few, like the, the biggest movie I did was Bruno and I only did part of it. And um, there was like five different art departments on that because they kept quitting or <laughs> getting fired. So yeah. I was like one of the first art departments. Um, and I've done a few other like smaller movies and nothing too exciting though. I'd like to do some movies. You would. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Do you feel that sometimes film gives you even more freedom than uh, television? Um, or does it depend on the television show? Yeah, it just I guess it just depends. I because um, there I are feel some like shows I, that are cookie cutter, correct? Like there are some television shows where the producers have say on everything, and that's that, and they want to look this way, and you're just doing a job. Yeah, right. I think that's more like networky stuff, which I haven't done a whole lot of. Um, it's kind of like this polished. It sounds stifling as an artist. Yeah, um, it's like well, smother your creativity. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I definitely like TV's 
gives you a lot more freedom than commercials. And I don't know that I have had um, enough experience with enough. Um, well, Bruno was so crazy. It was like no I one mean, was talking to each other. And so like Sasha Baron Cohen would ask for a set and then Larry Charles would ask for the same set and they'd be completely opposite. And we, I art directed it and design it. Um, but we had to come up with 11, like we came up with uh, a set that looked like Jerry Springer. Then it looked like just an egg in the middle of a, a empty space. And then look, I didn't ask for, and no one was talking and we were designing like stuff and no one was talking. And we were like, we can't do this anymore. This is too insane. So. Wow. Yeah. And my last question for the show is what is it like working with John Hook? Well, we used to have a lot of fun. We I laughed. used to laugh was, a lot. There was so much laughter because at that point in time, neither of us had decided that there were careers. At least I was like, career. I'm just, I want to tell fart jokes and eat Egg McMuffins all day. Like, uh, I, I loved being a PA, man. I was, I thought I was good at it. But then when I went to the, when I went to Costa Rica, when I came back, I was like, oh, I could probably do this. Like this could be a job. I could, I could, yeah. I could make it in this business because Costa Rica was like crazy difficult. Meaning there were a lot of challenges, but I enjoyed, I enjoyed the, uh, the whole, the whole thing. I really did. So that kind of made me love production forever. Yeah, I mean, I was, a, I wasn't good. I wasn't a good worker. Like I was the kind of guy that showed up hungover when Kate worked with me. Like I would be late. I would be inappropriate. I would be annoying. I would be, you know take too long at lunch that kind of shit but yeah we eventually laughed a lot we weren't doing anything serious like working it was nothing together. important yeah we, I, was I remember phones, like trying like, to load boxes onto like a dolly and just a hand truck know, yeah laughing yeah, so hard knocking over tables and be like Haha, we're idiots <laughs> like it, nothing mattered it was like i do i do whenever i'm like producing something and it's really like you know, you can feel the heat coming down and you're like, God damn it. I got to get, this has to work. This has to work. Otherwise I'm, you know, I'm going back to this, I thought, whatever. And I always think like, I always look over at a PA and when I see a PA doing nothing, I'm like, dude, just pretend like you're doing something. That's all I did. And it was easy and so fun, dude. And all I did was end up over at the craft service table all day. Like, come on, figure it out. Yeah. I don't know. I miss, I miss the no responsibility. Like these are your walkie talkies, hand them out every day. Okay. <laughs> bullshit yeah i think that the zappos thing was like the only kind of serious thing that we've done together yeah that was a that was both of us really actually working yeah and 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 i but i will say this is like just me and tim like when we first got into production i remember being in costa rica actually and having the thought that like oh you know if i ever start my own production company i'm gonna hire my friends you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And at the time, the thought is, and we're all going to party on set all the time. You know, you don't have any kind of concept of what it is to actually produce anything as you kind of work and you keep working and the people, some people fall away and some people don't. And then like guys like Paul Allen, who was a no brainer when we were like, we need someone to direct this. We called him immediately. Like he was a guy that I'd worked with as a PA, you know, Tim worked with him at Nickelodeon. You know, I'd worked with you as a PA. Like, you were the first phone call. Like, when we couldn't use you, we were like, oh, what are we going to do? Yeah. <laughs> like, and then we were able to bring you in. So it was like, I felt like that crew in particular, <clears throat> there was only <clears throat> three or four people who were outsiders in terms of our world. <clears throat> and I did not care for those people. 
Yeah. Actually, on that job, on Zappos, was the one time that I was, like, got pissed and said something. Not one time, but where I was, like, pissed and said something to one of the guys, like, can you be a little bit more respectful of like my crew and like what we've like our set dressing? I don't, I don't know who it was, but it was, it was probably in the grip or gaffer department. Yeah, it was. Yeah. We're not going to yeah, talk there. about that part. Like, John's <laughs> very mad. Yeah. Because <laughs> those guys, those guys came as a recommendation from Brian. I was like in a bind. I was in a bind and he goes, these guys are great. And then he showed up and I was like, these guys are fucking Moe, Larry, and Shemp. This is totally Joe Dorita. That. I won't disagree with that. But for my shoot, I didn't have any problems with them. I felt horrible that you guys did not get along for doing it wrong. Well, I this just, is what I love. When people are immediately like, hey, uh, can it, the first thing out of the box, hey, can you pay my guy in cash under the table? I'm like, wait, what is going on? Like, why is that the first question I'm being asked when I hire somebody? It was I don't just you the look whole like thing. that kind of guy, John. Dude, first of all, I am, and I did. So, <laughs> yeah. So that was kind of my bad, but I didn't. Again, I didn't. No, no, know. no. I, I, I get it. The, the whole thing, the whole thing was um, based on a couple of misunderstandings that uh, if I had to do again, I would have done differently. But, um, but other than that, like that crew, that was like really fun, and I felt like we put together some people. Like everyone you had that was on your team was fucking awesome. So it was just a lot of fun, and again we didn't have a crazy budget and you made that place the, all those it was the same place, but every room yeah. in that place look, <laughs> look awesome, you know? Yeah, thanks. And also we couldn't have done that if Joe Burke didn't go, yeah, you can shoot here nine different rooms for $200 or yeah. whatever crazy fucking thing he let us do. Mm-hmm. But yeah, good times. That's all I got, buddy. All right. Okay. Thank you for taking some quarantine time with us. Really appreciate yeah. it. Really? Yeah, congratulations on uh, your engagement. That's yeah. awesome. I, I feel kind of like a bad friend because I didn't know until well, now. I but I didn't really tell anyone unless I was talking to them because I'm Maybe. not someone that's like, oh my god, I'm getting married. So um, no, I, just I know. Kind of flip it in there. That's like, okay. Yeah. We're gonna have to use what you just said as the actual soundbite for the show. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be that's the answer. Oh, this broad won't shut up about getting married. Like I'm getting married. I'm getting married. I'm getting married. Everyone's like, "Who is she? So annoying." Just keep playing that clip every after like every other thing she says. I was telling Joe this morning about um, the first time you came over for dinner with my parents oh. at my house. This is a story. This is a story worth telling. Really quick. This is a really first of all. Your parents are saintly. Because she brings up, this is some guy I work with. I'm like, like just a fucking weird oaf at this point. But so me and Kate work at this company over in the Valley. Um, there was other people that worked there as PAs and whatever. And there was a, a particular person working there who at the course of one day went out on a run, was supposed to drop off a package near the airport. Well, we get a call that this person has been picked up for soliciting a prostitute near the airport. And they didn't even deliver the package first. So it's like this person went out, didn't do the run. They went and got the hooker first. Then they got in trouble. And then they went to jail. And he had or whatever. His, do- his little dog in the car. That's why we yeah. got the phone call because someone had to come get the dog get or it was dog. going down. Yes. yes. Okay. So this story happens. We're dying because this dude went on a run to drop off a package and instead gets arrested soliciting a hooker. So we're crying, laughing, right? We laugh, we laugh, we tell. Kate has a sister. 
She's got a buddy. We laugh. We tell everyone the story. We have a good time. Then I get invited over to her house where her parents are for dinner. I'm like, oh, cool. It's kind of nice, a home-cooked meal. You know, we get over there. We have this meal. Like, we eat. I believe we're face-to-face. It was like 10 minutes before dinner was going to start. And okay, my so sister, I walked in, met the parents, and then yeah. we were back all hanging out in a different room. Yeah, and my sister's boyfriend thought that John was the person, the PA that got the prostitute, and t- told my dad that John got a prostitute, and so uh, at work, at yeah. work, <laughs> uh, on his way to deliver on a, on a run, not just went and got a hooker, but like it's not a Sunday thing. I was it was like Tuesday afternoon, couldn't resist. <laughs> So her dad is like, I'm in the other room with her and her sister and shit. So her dad's cooking dinner with the mom. Like this, what is this piece of shit doing in my house? Like this dirtbag goes out. What? And I, and then he's like saying, we're retelling that story. And he's like, yeah, it's crazy. You got arrested. And I was like, what? <laughs> he goes, yeah, yeah. When you did, I go, you're saying it like you think I'm the one. And he goes, aren't you? I go, what are you talking about? And then it like starts to come out and I go, Go tell that man. I'm not going <laughs> to sit down and have dinner with a dude where he's like, go pull my God, right? Are you going to get hookers after this? Or what do you do? I was like, go tell him. I'm, I'm, I was so, it was so uncomfortable. It was, I was like, I was glad that it, it came out because otherwise like that would have been like a weird bunch family secret of like, there's Kate's friend. Oh yeah. He's married now, but you should have seen him when he was getting hookers at work. Like, well, yeah. It, it, Look at it from their standpoint. They're thinking, well, okay, I guess Kate wants us to tolerate this meth head for dinner tonight. thing <laughs> is like, what kind of dad? The dad is like, how? Probably thinking of ways he can put poison into my food, or like, uh, how can I get this guy out back, run him over a few times with my car, and pretend like it was an accident? We can just end this. Like, <laughs> it was so funny though. But but the bunch family has been very 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 nice to me. Yeah. Both your mom and your dad have been nothing but kind to me, and yeah. your sister's always been funny and. Yeah, you guys were. That was the first. That was literally the first family I ate dinner with uh, after moving away from my family. Yeah, I think you came for Thanksgiving a few times. Yeah, I've I've met some some grandmas. I've met uh, yeah. some cousins. Yep. <laughs> anyway, that was a good <laughs> one. Okay, that was thank a good you very one. much for not only uh, saving yeah. life but um, coming on the podcast. Absolutely, yeah. thank you. And um, and congratulations, seriously, on everything. I mean, the the stuff that you've worked on is is some of the top. It's like the, it's some of the best TV that's being made right now. So it's that's kind of impressive, you know. Not kind of that's very impressive. So congratulations, Thanks. yeah. Cool. Uh, Thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Guys, watch What We Do in the Shadows. It's amazing. Go check out Flight of the Concords if you haven't seen that. It's funnier than shit. And uh, watch Divert, uh, Dispatch. It's from Dispatches from Elsewhere on AMC. Disp- which, and AMC has done some really good stuff, too. Yeah. So It's it's d- different than those things. not really a comedy, so but it's interesting. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Awesome. All right. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening, guys. Thank you for listening to Hollywood Anonymous. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Hollywood Anani. That is short for Hollywood Anonymous. You can also follow John individually at John Huck and myself, Brian Irwin, at Brian Irwin on Twitter as well. Both of us can be found on Facebook. You can also Google us and contact us directly, HollywoodAnonymousGuys at gmail.com. Thank you again so much for listening, and please don't forget to subscribe. 